What's up, everybody? This is Dylan Lovento, and you're listening to the Spawn On Me Wardcast Collab Couch for E3 2019. We partner with our amazing friends over at Spawn On Me for some great interviews and discussions during E3. We'll be switching between podcast feeds for all our content from the show. So if you want to listen to all of our talks, you'll definitely want to check out both of our feeds. As always, Wardcast can be found right here at ward-games.com, on Twitter at wardvideogames, or by searching Wardcast in your podcast app of choice. And you can find Spawn on Me on their website at spawnon.me, at spawnonme on Twitter, or by going into your podcast app of choice and searching Spawn on Me. Hello and welcome to day two of the Spawn Me Wardcast Collab Couch. I'm Dylan Alvento. Hi, I'm Kylie Adams. Hello. And we're joined by our first group of guests. Yeah! Uh, on the far left, we have Victoria Tran from Kit Fox. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. That's good. Also, Robin Hunnicky. That's right. From Phenomena. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Recently branded, rebranded from Funamina. Okay. <laughs> you, <laughs> trying to decide, but yeah. And then Kelly Wallach from Indie Mega Booth. Hello. How you doing? Hello. Good, how are you? How's everyone's E3? Uh, great. Hot. Sweaty. Yes. <laughs> Sweaty. I hear LA is... This is my first time in LA in really? E3. Yeah. Oh, so okay, yeah. Nice. I hear it's... This isn't usual for LA Literally weather. every day, all the time. This is LA. Really? <laughs> all the time. Every time Only I'm usually here, with like lasers. This, actually, yeah. actually, there's more lasers usually. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, uh, we're, we're, do, we're doing pretty good with yeah. less lasers. Uh, I also hear that San Francisco is on fire currently. Yes. It, yeah. yeah it's is like it really? Just Heat really wave. hot. Oh, okay. Not oh, actually yeah. on fire. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's a worry in California. <laughs> I was, I was sadly going to just make a, a like... Yeah. Hot, wildfire reference because of how hot my body is right yeah, now. Like, and then no. when, when he said that, it was like, oh, that's like totally not yeah. okay now. Yeah, we're like, just going to spend me. the whole podcast talking about end times. Let's do it. Yeah. Peas, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say green peas. So what would you... Yeah, yeah. green peas. So, so what would your version of being raptured really like to be? What, oh, would, you, what would you want... Who would you want to be raptured first? That's the good... No, that's oh, a good question. That's, anyway, that's, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a harsh, that's a harsh way to start this, yeah. this podcast. That is totally not the I way to start it. I was prepared In finality. Yeah. How's your E3? Also the rapture. Yes. <laughs> Gosh, Cleve, don't you know how to keep spirits up? Jeez. Um, but no, everyone's everyone's showing off stuff. Kelly, I'm curious, what, what's... Uh, what, what, what do you... What's going on with Indie Mega Booth here? What are you, what are you up to? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I thought it was going to be a kind of chill E3 for me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to drive down. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have a couple meetings. And it's like been back to back to back to back oh, to really? back stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I actually had two lunches today uh, accidentally. Hope you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I'm starving. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it's been really great. And like one of the things I was realizing is that a lot of the meetings that I have now are just people that I enjoy having conversations with. That's so yeah. even though it's like it's hard to kind of be like, yeah, I was joking to be like smart and witty and funny and interesting and high level like this business conversations for like this long in a row like that's a cool problem to have so right. yeah. yeah so yeah. That's, that's been pretty great yeah so yeah so i'm only like kind of day one into it but still feeling energized uh getting a lot of sleep drinking a lot of water that's good <laughs> it's cool. always good yeah. you good. already beat e3 then i know, I know. you're like hydrated and <laughs> yeah. you had sleep e3 defeated <laughs> yes you're good you're good uh robin yeah. what about you are you are you showing anything here is this... i'm not showing anything here but luna is going to ship on the playstation and psvr awesome. on the 18th Yay. so oh, wow. really soon yeah. Yeah, so very, very excited. Um, and I was going to have a bunch of demos and meetings around the launch. 
And I decided instead to do my press in New York City next week. Okay. Oh. And this is a story. So I normally rent an Airbnb across from the convention center so that I can have my meetings in air conditioning and yeah. peace and quiet. Yeah. And I didn't need it this year. So I almost canceled it, but I waited too long. So it was going to be like, you get no money back. And then the day before the show, I got an emergency email saying that the people that were renting me the space couldn't vacate it. And they had to refund me and give me 191 bucks for my inconvenience. Nice. Darn. So it's the best E3 of my life. Because no, I it's the worst E3. You can't find a space. You, can't, you have nowhere to stay. So yeah, now I'm going to buy a really expensive purse. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Fair enough, fair Actually, I'm kind of not, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's a real worry because I know like people at GDC that like fly in. And it's like, Can I have an imagine? Airbnb. Oh, yeah. no, I don't. Can yeah, you I imagine? I had happened at GDC once and we stayed in the world's Can scariest hotel. I would, yeah. I would yeah. be like tearing my hair out right now. Oh, I would have freaked so, out. I would have freaked out. Laziness pays yeah. off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, don't don't okay. stress. Don't don't book those meetings. It. Like just, yeah, just hang out, have like extra yeah. lunches. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing great. Have five yeah. lunches. Yeah. yeah. Just lunch all day, every day <laughs> for three days straight. How much are you three? I'm a little bloated. Yeah. <laughs> Victoria, what's going on? I, I'm staring at the boyfriend dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. Banner over yeah, there. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's good. It's my first E3. Oh, yes. So oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm already exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that means it's good, maybe. Yeah. It feels like the apocalypse. Yeah. So, good. You know what that You're wearing you sensible of. shoes, which is important. You yeah, have to wear flat shoes. Yes. I've done I've done a lot of booting, some with Indie Mega Boot, which is great. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Uh, a lot of people are thirsty for weapons and dating their swords. So it's all good here. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Everyone here has been in Indie Mega Booth, right? Like, Robin, yes, have you yes, you've shown yeah. for yeah, 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 yeah. Phenomena? Multiple times. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> we showed Ratam the very first time ever, oh, like yeah. five years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> At the Mega Booth. Yeah. Hey, we're still around. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> and that's coming out in, like, the fall. So yeah. that's, like, crazy. It's like, hello. Like, yeah. It's a long time to make games. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to focus on that because, like, I like talking about indie stuff. And, like, it's it's... Any mega booth is like such a staple of, of the PAXs now, yeah. and then also GDC. And it's interesting, like seeing people that, uh, you know, the, the the really like out there kind of stuff. Like, oh, I've never heard of this game, never heard of this yeah, project, yeah. and stuff. And then you know, uh, more more well known stuff. Yeah. And like, um, I don't know how how do you balance that? How do you balance finding? all those all those projects all those people um yeah i mean our curation process is pretty intense like i wrote <laughs> something about it a few years ago where it was like hey here's the secret here's like a four page like a four like series blog post that right. goes super in depth that's like a million words um explaining how we do it um but we're actually really conscious of the uh types of games that we pick and the teams that we want to work with so we actually do really want a good mix of like who are teams that have been in the industry for a while that can act as mentors to younger developers who are younger developers that we think are up and coming that have a lot of potential right um you know what's a mix of things that people are going to be really excited about and be like oh my god i really have to go into the space and find that game and then what is the stuff that they're going to like accidentally discover while they're there as well too. Right. Um, so we're very aware of that while we're doing the curation, but like the kind of like long and short answer of it is, it's like, it takes a lot of work and a lot of people. And we do, we open up submissions twice a year and we're probably doing curation work for like three months, you know, in the lead up to like a show, you know, sure. from start to finish of everything. So mm -hmm. it's like, there are a lot of people that spend a lot of time and a lot of dedication to like having these discussions and That's making awesome. those decisions. We yeah. have this conversation all the time. Yeah. We, we did a we did a whole AIS podcast on this particular topic of curation and uh, Kelly yeah, and I yeah. just yeah. like yeah. basically, yeah. Stuff. talked about like you can't you can't just 
sort of secede this territory to robots. Like it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Right. And especially if you want to see difference and inclusion, if you yeah. want to be radically inclusive and radically innovative in any in any genre, but especially in games, you have to broaden the kinds of people that participate in the system. And so like when I found a phenomenon, it's the same thing. I just do that same curation process, but yeah. with hiring. And you know, yeah. spend yeah. a lot more time trying to find the right people, bring people into the boat because the rising tide floats all boats. Sure. And then also sponsor and mentor people as they leave phenomena to start their own projects. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that we were just collaborating with just announced that she's going to go and take over a studio and start running what? it, you know, and it's awesome. like, I'm already on her advising, you know, committee, yeah. like dope. sending her documents and helping her. Like, this is the kind of thing that you can do is like, if you, if you take the time to curate, if you take the time to mentor, if you take the time to make games that are different, then you see that change in the community. Mm. And it's an active process. It's not something that just right. like yeah. happens yeah. by accident. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and there's another part of the IMB submission project project or process i mean um that i think you have like a question in there like what are your uh or or you say in the faq that like you look for people that like contribute to games yeah. like outside of like yeah. a yeah, good yeah. game yeah contribute positively to the right. gaming community yeah. yeah and we've definitely like you know we've definitely had games come through where it's like oh this game looks great but like do they really represent like what we want to see sure. in the industry moving forward and like you know thankfully there's not as many of those as there are the kind of opposite is like hey you know if this game just had like a little bit more if they had a little more networking or a little more like kind of mentorship like they could really kind of like move the needle um, and so like sometimes too we'll get people that are like hey I make games in like the middle of Louisiana and I know nobody else who makes yeah. video games <laughs> And yeah, I'm yeah, like, please yeah. come and like meet right. other people because you're yeah. going to go crazy, yeah, you know, exactly. if you're just in the middle of nowhere by yourself. Um, because then they can learn from the community and then go back to their local community and really start to facilitate stuff there. Mm -hmm. um, and outside of the shows, we also do a lot of um, ways for the community to talk to each other and communicate outside of that as well, too. So it's like it's yeah. grown into this kind of like really large support network for, uh, you know, the professional development, personal development yeah. and like to kind of make the gaming community better overall. And that's been a very long, steady, yeah, deliberate process. Yeah. It's going on like eight years now. And yeah. like at the beginning, that's not very exciting. And like, you know, it's not slow. a lot of people know about it and it's slow and it's not really cool, you know, cause it's like, we're not always doing the coolest things, yeah. but you know, now it's like, I can look back at it and feel really proud of like what we've built and the work that we've done yeah. and like have this community that's super supportive, very positive and like doing, I think really big things in the industry that like, you know, might not have been possible if I was like, oh yeah, we just want to like, get you know this 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 and yeah. this in here and we don't give a shit about can i curse on this yeah okay yeah we don't give a shit about anything else you shit. know we just want to like <laughs> <laughs> fuck that yeah, right? <laughs> and that's yes. that fuck that, fuck that. <laughs> i mean it, feel, it feels like the indie space is stronger than it's ever been yeah. it's kind of grown in better ways and everyone is kind of doing each one teach one version of it now yeah, and yeah. kind of giving back to those spaces do you feel yeah. like a show like this is doing better in kind of fostering and giving those folks better spaces. Of course, we see Indie Indicate here, and we see other folks in kind of smaller booths and stuff doing that work, but do you feel like the industry, as far as the ESA and E3, that they're kind of helping to foster those things as well? We've had a really direct conversation with Dan at the ESA about yeah. this. I really love Dan and Stan. I'm a Stan Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nice. ESA is good. super good. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we've talked a lot with them, even over the last year, about how yeah. to expand the indie presence here. Yeah. You know, I really think that there is a lot of potential I run an undergraduate program at UC Santa Cruz, yep. and one of my teams has a game here at IndieCade. Do they really? They do. They just came over and said hi before we started the podcast. Oh, I was wondering who that so was. Yeah, it's so like four of my yeah. students. And I love so that. It's a, yeah. it's a very similar thing as yeah. with what Kelly was saying with the Mega Booth. When I started the program five years ago, it was like me teaching two classes 
and then teaching two more classes and then suddenly I needed to hire someone and right. teach a few more classes. And when we started out, nobody was going to put our games in the, you know, in yeah. the booth at E3. That wasn't right. going to happen. But four years in, we started having games showing up here and also at other showcases like PAX. And now the it, it, it breeds dividends, right? Like you get those dividends. And so the, the sort of the question that we've been putting forward to the ESA is, what is the way that we expand and multiply this space now? How do we go from being one tiny little indie space at E3 to a community of people, much like the Mega Booth, that has this ability to sort of reflect and support one another through the process? Because once you, once you have a game on a show floor, then what do you do, right? This yeah. is the question, like, where do you go? And what's yeah. so great with what Kelly has built is, is there's a community behind it. Mm -hmm. Just like with my program, there's a community of students and as they graduate, they support each other moving forward. And like, we want to be able to give those experiences to the developers, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was going to uh, ask you uh, about that as well. It was like, you have a game on the floor. Yeah. You know, what, what's it been like as a person kind of debuting or show, not debuting, but showing your, your game on the floor? You know, what are folks kind of coming to you with in terms of like, hey, I'm like foot traffic just coming past the booth. Like what is the conversation happening around your game and around actually, the stuff you're already doing? Yeah, it's been really good. I think the thing with indie games is that they usually have the most, you know, kind of silly sometimes premises to them. And yeah. that's kind of what indie games bring to the table, I guess, because we are independent and we don't, we kind of do whatever we want sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the thing about like indie games and like these kinds of spaces is usually like, for Kitbox, we're quite privileged in that we could afford to come here. Sure. But there's a lot of places that either they can't get visas to come to the States to show in places like this, or they don't have the means to do so. Yeah. So I think like supporting those kinds of things are really interesting. But so far, their foot traffic has been awesome. They've yeah. been really receptive. Um, I mean, I haven't been to previous E3s, so maybe it's different. But mm. we'll see. So far, I think it's really Smells common. like E3 to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you could have told me. <laughs> You could have just, told me. Just I for the audience, the, the, the smells of E3 are wafting through the door. So yeah, yeah. No. I mean it's, it's it's pretty. I think it's pretty. It's pretty standard for the industry day tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow will be. Oh yeah. Totally bonkers. Yeah, because it's yeah. like yeah, today's like, industry, and then what tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow will be tomorrow public. Uh, I think, I think it's like it's like the yeah. DevCon scale yeah. where yeah, you're like it's like, it's like E3 smell, and then it's like PAX yeah. smell, yeah. and it's like Gamescom. Smell. I was gonna say nothing will be Gamescom. So. I, I've never been. <laughs> yeah, I've never been. But, but that's the weird thing that like Gamescom I hear is, about Gamescom is not about the games, not about any of the stuff. It's like the bad boy smell. It's just a lot of backpacks. Yeah, backpacks is smushed. It is. Yeah, very very. I have been and have not been back, so that's dang, Kelly. I'm not Kelly. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Robin, I wanted to ask you a question because you have been jumping into some of the fields that we have been treading in for a while in the podcasting space. Yeah. That has been super dope to see you kind of jump in to do some of that stuff as well. How has it been to kind of start to do that kind of work as well? Like getting into the booth basically and then and doing podcasting on you know, in that I space really too. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm scheduled this week. I'm going to be doing an interview with Austin Wintry. What? Yay. Yes. From Journey to talk about uh, the release of Journey on the PC. Nice. Which just happened this week. Yes. Oh, I got on the Epic Store. Very, very excited. Go buy it. <laughs> very hard on it. Um, but uh, it was a really long journey to get Journey out of the just the PlayStation universe. And to be able to put it out on the PC has been super exciting. Yeah. And to be able to go back and talk to Austin about what was effectively almost 10 years ago now, working yeah. together on the score. We worked really closely together. Um, it's just nice. I mean, like, they give me the opportunity to interview people that I love and, like, talk to them about things I care about. Yeah. So, you know, I think the secret to doing it is to do it 
with people that you care about and to do the things that you really you really want to see in, in the space. And I want to mm. see more sound designers and musicians getting recognition for the amazing amount of work they do to mm. make games awesome. You know, we often hear from the game designer, right. but we don't hear from the curator. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't hear from the sound designer. We don't necessarily hear from the person that's uh, doing all the work on the back end to make sure that a game gets financed. Mm. And those jobs are really important and sometimes very undersung. So I've oh, really yeah. enjoyed being able to do those interviews. And then sometimes I just get to interview people that are really, really amazing designers like Lucas Pope. I did an interview with him recently. Oh, yeah. And uh, Justin from, um, uh, I'm going to forget uh, the name FTL. of the game now. FTL? FTL, yeah. And, oh, right. and Into awesome. the Breach. And so, uh, Subset Games. Yep. And so yeah. that, you know, those kinds of interviews give me the opportunity not just to sort of hear about the unsung heroes, but also kind of dig in behind what it means to do game design. Yeah. Um, and Justin in particular gave a really good interview on the topic of staying zen in wow. face of uncertainty. So learning how to face the fact that you don't really know what your game's going to look like or play like for a super long time. I mean, yeah. did you guys know that Boyfriend Dungeon was going to be so fabulous from the very beginning? No. I no. see this today, right? <laughs> what? Absolutely. Yeah. I totally yeah. knew that. Yeah. I believe in our I team. I stand so hard for that. I was like, I Honest, knew from day one. We announced it like early because we were so nervous no one would like it uh. that we were just like you know what just put it out there and if people like it we'll keep making it cool okay yeah, great yeah. <laughs> a confidence yes. yeah basically yeah. yeah this is part of the fun thing like with doing the curation I'm really thankful that I got an opportunity to like learn um, some project management and how like games are made and designed yeah. and stuff yeah. before I started doing the mega booth because like we see stuff in progress all the time yeah. and like it is really really hard to look at something and be like this is going to be great or this is going to mm. be this and like I've talked about this a little bit before but it's like it's really easy to tell when a game is really bad or when a game is really good. Yeah. You know, like you look at a yeah. really bad game, you're like, that's super bad. Like yeah. that is not going anywhere. Um, and then you look at a really amazing game, you're like, holy shit, that's blowing my mind. Yeah. But there's like, you know, 95% of stuff is in the middle somewhere. And right. like, you know, is is that on the cusp of being great? Is that on the cusp of not being great? Does it just need this? Do people need to look at it? Is the idea fundamentally, you know, maybe potentially impossible? Right. Um, and so there's a lot of the, the kind of game space that is in that. And somebody had said to me once, which I thought was fascinating, is there's not a lot of entertainment industries where fans and a lot of other people see it while well, it's in progress. Like right. nobody's like mm. like showing half of their movie for yeah. like a couple yeah. of years. Show me know? the green screens. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. see those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. where it's yeah. just yeah. like a guy in balls and like, yeah. you know, like yeah, just totally. hopping around in front of a green screen. And so like it's kind of like this weirdly collaborative process, like uh, the way yeah. the games are made. And mm. so people are seeing things that are in progress, and that's not something that you see in yeah. any other kind of industry. And like and it can be shaped by feedback that you're getting, you know, by players or by people that, as you're seeing it. And so it's like a really fascinating space to like look at things and be like, wow where is this going to go, you know? Yeah. And, like, yeah. and yeah, and for you guys, you know, something that you're like, I don't have no idea if anybody likes this. I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, yes. You know, like, yeah. but that's, that's my job, right? Is to like be able to look at something and be like, yeah, I think this is really going to resonate with right. people because I'm seeing this kind of like, what are fans looking at? You mm -hmm. know, what are other game designers working on? Yeah. What's the shift in the industry? Yeah. Um, and that's like a really kind of hard, like slash unique perspective to be able yeah. to have when you look at something. But I think that's like really important because it's yeah. like in those kind of decision-making like places yeah. like a lot of people had looked at boyfriend dungeon and were like no you way. should change the name it's not a good game huh. like you shouldn't do it because they're dead like, now, right yeah. <laughs> yes they're all dead yes it's unfortunate <laughs> we, they, we lost them yeah. in the apocalypse so we did get the answer yeah, well, to yeah, yeah. But, but you mentioned like you know with podcasting with like curating the stuff like yeah. I've, I've had the same thing with podcasting like you know i'm an indie dev and when I bring other indie devs on, I get to learn from them, like, what they've done. Like, especially, like, when it comes to, like, 
publisher relationships, which can, which can a lot of times feel like a black box. <laughs> and you, you learn so much. When you sit, well, that's on down. purpose. It's the power dynamic. Right. It's no. like they have all the information <laughs> and all the money, and you don't have any of either of those things. And so you go into those conversations, and you feel like, you know, Emperor's New Clothes. Like, you don't know if your game is good or not. Yeah. Yeah. And you're basically waiting for them to give you a little award and say, like, we approve of this, and we will give you some small amount of money in mm -hmm. exchange for all of your blood and your firstborn child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you will like it, right? And that's like, that is changing. Like, I think that what yeah. you see now, games like Journey could never have shipped, you know, 10 years before they did. And now, 10 years after Journey, look at all the kinds of content that can get out there. And yeah. the only way that that happens is if we promote ourselves yeah. and we reach those audiences because the conservative approver, they're not going to be opening the gateway for you, right? They're yeah. going to save all those chips for the thing they know they can double down on that's going to make them, for every dollar they spend, $5. And that's one way to do business, but the more sustainable and holistic mm -hmm. way to do it is to do it dollar for dollar, right? I have a game pitch for you. Yes. It's a battle royale, and there are guns. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think uh -huh. it's the new keep frontier. Going, keep yes. going, keep going. Uh, yeah. When yeah. it starts raining there, from the sky. Will be like, <laughs> pulls a string. There, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, there will also be blood and Guts. What? Yep. Mm -hmm. well, I think you know? I yeah. think it's perfect. Yeah. How I, I think well it might have an audience. Can render this blood. <laughs> so might be able so to get well, you there will be like graphics card. Twenty different producer. guns. A person actually you... stands in your house and just like drips water on you <laughs> while you're playing. <laughs> are we? Are we? A truly immersive experience. <laughs> it is. It is interesting seeing that kind of design and like these, you know, macro cycles of game design in AAA yeah. and then in indie. Completely ignoring that and be like, whatever, like whatever's big, um, or parodying it. You know what I've yeah. been thinking about a lot lately is the Cheesecake Factory. What, like so, the menu or just like, the, have the you been to the Cheesecake yeah. Factory? Yeah. Yes. So what the Cheesecake Factory does yeah. is they look at top-line restaurants that innovate in food. So, for example, tuna oh. tartare. Not available at most restaurants mm. in most people's local stores, but they go to a big city, they go to the Cheesecake Factory, and they get some tuna tartare, and they're like, that's fucking amazing, right? They take the best little appetizers oh. and small innovations off of high-end restaurant lists, mm. they push the price down, and then they put the whole fucking thing on one on one menu. Interesting. So the Cheesecake Factory is taking the best indie concepts and food and turning them into a mass-produced, publicly available what? extravaganza, and that is why they make bank. They make so much money because they are looking for innovations that they can compress down and put into a format that is literally any indie concept you could possibly imagine on one menu. And I keep thinking, who is the games publisher that's going to do this? Oh. Who is going to be the game's equivalent of the Cheesecake Factory? Me. <laughs> it's going to be. I think it Maybe. might It might yeah. end up being something like a Stadia or a Google. You know, yeah. like it might be something like that. Yeah. Like you might end up being able to go mm. look through YouTube links at the best possible innovations and get those little things. It's because the publisher doesn't really care about a brand portfolio. They don't care about looking like a specific thing. I mean, Cheesecake Factory looks like something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> looks like it's everything. like, looks it's like, like Egypt plus yeah. Italy or whatever. It's so like, like Las Vegas, basically. Like you know? Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna get some stuff off the rest of the cameras because we got it's too hot in here. It's too hot. Too All hot. the wonderful conversations. These mics too and hot. And these mics are too hot. We're gonna take a quick break. You guys have any more time to hang yeah, out sure. with us? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. We'll be right back after this. And we're back. Nice long break. 
right? It was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Totally, yeah. I took a nap. We ate another lunch. Yes. <laughs> Speed lunch. At the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, Cheesecake Factory. We, we all rebranded all of everything. Yes. Look, that's <laughs> also really gross, by the way, to have tuna tartare at the Cheesecake Factory. You know I don't what, think honestly, that's okay. I have to say, the food, that they do a good job. They serve you exactly what you expect with a little more sugar in it. <laughs> Which you kind of don't want, but then you realize yeah. you do. It's like that. It's like that thing where it's like you know it's what cuisine you should good. get from what place, and yeah. you know those you know those restaurants yes. that like do everything. Yes, and you're like, I know that that is going to be bad Italian food. I like know. that's going to yeah. be awful, and it's going to be gross. They have yeah. they have a hamburger taco. I'm not lying. Well, how does, like what are that? the mechanics? It's how does apparently that? really good. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Is the taco be bad. like what shape does it take? The shape of a taco does it take the shape of a hamburger? There's a hamburger with taco meat they on it. They have a stuffed cheese hamburger, a hamburger stuffed with cheese. Wait, I feel like this is just like a, the Futurama joke. That it's is like the most American shit. You know you of American try it. shit. It's like we're gonna make this thing science and then give it to you at a yes. really cheap price yeah, and then and it will try this to figure out. This is what indie games do for us. This is indie games are the equivalent of a cheese stuffed hamburger. That's what I'm saying. That's the argument I made. Put it on a shirt. That's my hot take. Well, I was about to say this is gonna be my hot take. This is gonna show up in a class, right? Yeah. Whole class is gonna be around Cheesecake Factory is the indie gaming of the restaurant. Next TED talk. So true. Next next time you do your GDC talk, I want that to be the, the title but of that But you know what I'm talk. saying, right? They're yeah. giving the people what they want, and they don't care about whether they look cool doing it, yeah. and they're yeah. making a lot of money. And I think that if I was a publisher right now, that's where I would be pushing myself. I yeah. wouldn't be trying to be the cool publisher with a big brand that like everybody recognizes. I would put the games up front and step way the fuck back. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think part of it, the, like to go back to the Cheesecake Factory thing, is like the accessibility of that also. Like you were saying, mm. you know, like for somebody like, you know, my mom lives in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, there's no tuna tartare. Like she came yeah. out and like house out for me where I was gone. And I think she ate sushi for like literally every meal because like <laughs> there's no sushi in the middle of Pennsylvania. Like nobody's eating sushi in the middle of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and like that's not a thing that you would regularly like have accessibility to. Or you might feel awkward doing it. You yeah. know, like mm. when I first started off in games and doing biz dev and stuff, like I was incredibly awkward going to business dinners. I had oh, no yeah. idea what yeah. any of the food was. Yeah. I didn't know what silverware to use yeah. I didn't understand wine or food or anything like that and like it's it really intimidating and it's very scary and mm-hmm. these are people that are like that I'm talking to that have more money than anybody in my family has ever seen yeah. and I'm like mm. trying to like convince them that they should also give me money or care about things that I'm doing while also like pretending that I understand what the hell I'm eating yep. and like what this stupid fork does you know we're like yep. cheesecake factory it's like yeah, yeah it's, you don't have to you yeah. don't have to try and yeah, like think about what yeah. the experience was like Let's take a way back machine to when you were still a child. Uh, and I could the, be 40. <laughs> and then the only place you could buy a game was to go into a GameStop. Right. right? And a GameStop was just as intimidating yeah. and just as overwhelming for someone that didn't understand yeah. games culture. It was just as gatekeepy. And you would never see Boyfriend Dungeon there. You yeah. would never see mm. Katamari there. Right. Yeah, like sure. you wouldn't see Journey there. Those kinds of games would never have made it onto a disc you know, into a store. And like, I think Katamari sold 500,000 copies hmm. when it came out and you had to special order it from the GameStop. Like yeah, you had to really. basically go and say, hey, I really want this game. Yeah. I'm a weirdo that like reads Japanese games magazines. Can you please order this game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was like incredibly intimidating. But then your girl on top of it, the, yeah. the way that this culture has changed is that media is no longer put into these boxes. It's a lot, I mean, it really is. The internet is effectively the the Cheesecake Factory, online stores of the Cheesecake Factory. You know, yeah. at least they could be. Yeah. yeah. If they, they were a little prettier. If they were a little prettier. If they had, if they had more five-foot story Egyptian, like, god statues I on them. I think that we should just read, we should, we should make we should make a Cheesecake Factory skin for Steam. Oh my god. And just oh, send amazing. it to them. Yeah. Don't I'll just play. be like, hey, I think I solved your problem for you. I, I thought, thought of an Anubis statue. Gosh. I thought you were going to say we should have a Cheesecake Factory booth 
at like a PAX or something. Oh, with like the really I'd ugly, be down. I would love the idea oh. of like some like high level person at the Cheesecake Just Factory being like, like these video games people yeah. emailed me. Like <laughs> they want you to come to E3. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We haven't yeah. actually tapped yeah. in. We were talking no way more about happening. Cheesecake Factory than I thought we would on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you read the show notes? Brought to you by Cheesecake Factory. Should have read about I'm so sad Canada doesn't have a Cheesecake Factory. We saw like Arby's, like Arby's like paper crafting gaming, like we're gonna mix that stuff together. Yeah, every once in a while, like I had Geico reach out to me a few years ago and they were like, We want to get into gaming, and I'm like, Okay, cool, like, yeah, that's great. And they're like, Esports, and I was like, Oh, that's a different thing. Yeah, I really want that just to have been the email. It's just like, Hey. Games, esports, esports. esports. I, yeah, I've, honestly, it, I've had work. so many conversations that are like that, where it's like people yeah. that it's just like I get introduced by like by a friend of a friend of a friend, and yeah. then they're like, "Hey, we want to find out about esports. Do indie games do esports?" And I was just like, "This is a really, really long conversation that we need to be having right now." It's like that is a whole different thing, and like yeah. I don't know anything about it. I'm curious. Yeah. Do you still do you have that experience like running Kid Fox and like talking with people? Are they like? So tell us about the MOBA that you're building. Like, do you get that now? No. Like, okay, that's good. No, not yeah. yet. Yeah. 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 So far. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I would be down for like esports dating. Yeah. I have no idea what that would look like. Oh, but wow. you know, it could be pretty good. Actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Really I know. Now interesting... all the gears are turning in all of our heads. How do we monetize this? Yeah. I'm just imagining like a full like coliseum of people just watching this. Yes. Don't date him. Like, don't do it, girl. You can have live action like in the background, like people just kind of like standing back there in yes. costume and stuff and kind of acting it out. As it's oh my gosh. Like, have you put Let's on, make this happen. Yes. It's like one of the questions like, have you put on deodorant at Gamescom? And it's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cooking section. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to go. Yeah. Um, Robin. Yes. You mentioned teaching. I do. I'm curious about the balance between that and also running a studio. Well, so I'm really lucky. Phenomena is 30 people now, and I wow. have a full-time GM named Jason Haber, who I love, who does a fantastic job of running the studio. And I have an amazing co-founder, Martin Milton, who I also love, who does an amazing job of making sure that the technical portfolio is always set. Like, he's basically the tech director, and he also does the finances. So my job is to run business development, make sure projects are on the rails, and then I have a whole team of producers. So day-to-day -day phenomena runs pretty much without my intervention, and my goal is to make myself pretty obsolete. Like, a good CEO is not in the way of projects. I'm solving problems when they occur, which are usually financial or publisher-related. Right. And then I'm mostly taking my time to think about where the business should go. Mm. And so I need a lot of... Uh, me time. I need a lot of quiet time. Yeah. And the cool thing about teaching at Santa Cruz is that Santa Cruz is about an hour and 20 minutes from where I live in San Francisco. So I get into my car and I put on some Boards of Canada or some... Some spot on me. Very, very some Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> <laughs> and I drive down the one really slow and I just think. And so my commute down to school in the morning is really helpful for me because I can think about all the stuff I'm trying to accomplish and kind of run scenarios and think strategically about what we're doing. I'm always trying to think about five years from now, phenomena, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. Yeah. Like I, I try to think on those timelines because I want the people that work for me to be happy and I want their families to be happy and I want us to be able to make games together until we can't. So um, the job actually affords me this space. And then when I get to school, I'm usually teaching or 
meeting with students and reviewing their games. I teach the senior sequence in my program. Okay. And so I stay with the same kids all three quarters and I get to see their game go from an idea all the way to completion. Aww. That's fantastic. And so it's kind of like I get to produce games at school and I produce games up and on that. And that is really awesome because uh, the skill set that I'm using is what I'm good at yeah. and I get to use it across all the contexts in my life. And I've really tried very hard to build an integrated life, like it's not that much of a secret, but I was a PhD candidate in robotics and AI, mm. and I was working on robots that could search and rescue, which is like kind of the same <laughs> as search and destroy, yeah. just one instruction. <laughs> and I was yep. like, wait a minute, I'm gonna end up working for Rand Corporation or DARPA, building robots that kill people. I don't yeah. wanna do that, I'll just make video games. Um, but I really thought about it for a long time and was like, well, how can I make a lifestyle where I'm doing creative work on the projects I wanna work on that I'm not killing people, and I'm actually, at best, I'm a zero, you know, like I'm, mm. a, I'm a zero force, but I definitely am not a negative force in this mm. world. And so I make a lot of decisions about my life that I curate my, my projects, the people in my life and the things that I spend my time on so that they're always trying to go in one direction, which is increasing the peace and making the planet more sustainable and more survivable and more fun. So teaching is really, I don't know, I guess you'd say it kind of fills my tank. Yeah. like fills my battery a little bit sure. like whenever I'm around there I will say that you know there's no job that doesn't have stress and definitely teaching at a public university in these times there are sometimes financial stresses mm. and services aren't always the best but I think Santa Cruz in particular does a really good job of the people that are motivated to serve the students are super motivated and so I have staff there as well Bennett Williamson and Juan Rilasaroca are both my <laughs> favorites um, they have worked really hard to make the program uh, successful and in fact we're the we're the fastest growing undergraduate major on campus. Nice, and the second largest major in the Division of the Arts. Oh. And we only have four faculty, so we're half the size of the next smallest program, and we serve the second largest population. So we're really doing a lot with very little right now. It's if you want to donate to UC Santa Cruz, call me. <laughs> it's it's really, a good cause. It's really wild to me, like, always thinking about, like, the size of organizations and, like, you know, because when you're a single indie, you think, like, oh, like these like really big indie, big studios, big indies, like they must be huge. But then you'd say phenomenal is 30 people. Yeah, 30 your, people. Your department's four people. And then like how big is is Kit Fox, Victoria? Eight people. Yeah. 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 And you guys are making like a ridiculous amount of, of, of We projects. have a lot of things going on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh God. So many plate spinning. What do yeah. you, so you have Boyfriend Dungeon. Yeah, have, so we're developing Boyfriend Dungeon. Right. We just announced yesterday we're creating uh, Lucifer Within Us. So yes. we're nice. developing two games. We are publishing Dwarf Fortress right. and we're publishing Six <laughs> Ages. And we might have another thing in the works. Oh my Don't gosh. ask. I'm can't ooh, say. There's a lot of things going on. <laughs> Do you just want like a project per person at the at the studio? Right? It's fine. It's totally <laughs> What's fine. What's your game gonna be? <laughs> it's about. It's gonna be about Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Um, and dating. And yeah. dating and uh -huh. tuna tartare and what and, and the apocalypse. And the apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you just put manager at the end of it, and yeah, it's yeah. yeah. a game. Oh my god, I would totally play that. That's what I'm saying, right? That's what I'm saying. Totally. Yeah. I need a third lunch. <laughs> Fifth lunch simulator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, so how big do you want the indie mega booth to get at this point? Oh, that's like a good question. The booth size or the company size? But, or well, both? I mean, it, 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 I would think that they would both kind of kind of go together in that in that um, way to a certain extent. In, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, so this is a kind of funny thing with events. At some point, it's like the hardest part is like all the stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And like the size and the scale kind it matters, but like it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like you know, we've looked at scoping out doing like rebooting the mega show events and yep. things like yeah. that. And I'm like, okay, we need to get the budget down. What if we like cut the attendance in half? We cut the developers in half it's like oh we save five thousand like dollars 
right. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. it's all, it's like, it's all the venue. It's like the work that goes into getting it going. It's the marketing around it. Like if you're marketing to a hundred people versus like a thousand people, you know, it's like not actually that much totally. different, like kind of when you, when you get into that realm sure. of it. So, um, I mean, at some point, like, and I've been talking with a few people about this over the last like year or two, I'm like, okay, how many people do we actually need to do the volume of work that we're doing? Because mm. for the first few years, it was a lot of just like me and two or three other people just like working our asses off constantly and underpaying ourselves and just going, 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 going. So for like a while, we were like three, maybe four people. Yeah. And that was like when the mega booth was like really growing and a lot of stuff was happening. No. And that was totally unsustainable. And then everything in my life like totally imploded mm. all at the same time. And I was like, okay, I can't, I can't actually keep doing this. So like, how many people do we need? And like, can we be sustainable at that? Yeah. And so like, the thing I've discovered is like, okay, we're like maybe six, seven people now. I think at some point, maybe like 10, 12 people might be kind of like, if we were to expand in some things that I want to, you know, like that would kind of be our size. But yeah. like, are we sustainable at the size of the people that we need to do the work that I want to do? And the answer is no, we're not. So that's yeah. like <laughs> currently the problem that I'm solving yeah. now. Like, and one of the reasons that I'm having a lot of meetings while I'm here, but like, it's actually really good to know that that's like kind of what the issue is. Yeah. And also that there is a lot of demand for like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fragmentation right now and obviously in platforms, there's a lot of stuff going on in the indie scene right now. There is tons of stuff. And to me, that means there's a lot of opportunity yeah. and there's a lot of ways to like do something that is cohesively solving problems for like everything that is kind of like basically blown apart. And so I find that really exciting, but it's also frustrating to me to be like, well, if I just had a little bit more resources or a little bit more people yeah. or a little bit more time, we could, we could generate a really high, like incredible amount of like, of, uh, you know, like success for a lot of people or to do a lot of things with just like what is relatively considered a small amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like, uh, you know, where we're at. And so I don't want us to be this thing where we're like a hundred or 200 or 300 people. Cause I don't think we really need to be, but yeah. also in some ways we kind of are like when we do a show, we like sort of expand from being like yeah. five or six people to yeah. being 250 people yeah. because we're like managing all the developers and we're working with all the teams. There's multiple people and there's all the vendors. So it's like, in some ways, like organizationally, like we sort of are, but it's like, yeah we're a company of like 300 entrepreneurs, yeah, <laughs> which is right? like a nightmare yeah. scenario. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is like, how can I get the best ROI off yeah, this thing yeah, at this yeah. moment at this yeah. time? I've thought yeah. about this but a lot like, just yeah. in terms of, the, of building a company. Like yeah. Phenomena is 30 people, but we have four teams, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so it's like, you've got about seven, average of about seven people working together on a single project. Yeah. And then you've got a little overhead. You know, you've got a GM and a person that's yeah. basically working to keep the office running. And when you end up looking at that scale, it's really important to think about, okay, yeah, the seven to eight person experience, which is kind of what you yeah, both yeah. have right now, mm -hmm. how do you make that sustainable? And yeah. then how do you duplicate that sustainability? And for us, um, Phenomena is a deliberately developmental organization, which means like if you're having a bad day, you don't put the mask on and then go to work and are like, everything's fine. And then like <laughs> sob <laughs> like behind your mask at your desk yeah, or right. in your car at lunch. Um, you just call in or write an email and say, Hey man, like, you know, my wife and I had some problems this weekend and I didn't get a lot of sleep and I'm not going to be at work this week. I sure. need to take some time off. Like, and these are the tasks I can't get done, but these are the things I'll do from home, blah, 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 blah. And then we need to fill in for each other. So there needs to be a little bit of slack. And I yeah. think what I've learned over time running the company and actually before running Phenomena, running the team at, at, at that game company and being the executive producer there and then running teams at EA before that is that you have to have a little bit of slack all the time and you need to plan for about half the work that you think you can do. Interesting. You just plan, like at Phenomena, we plan for people to get two to four solid hours of work done a day. Yeah. Because you come in, 
you have meetings, you do your email, then pretty soon it's lunchtime, yep. yeah. and then you have your afternoon. And maybe in your afternoon you don't hit a bug or you don't hit a problem and you can just jam all the way through. Yeah. But sometimes you hit something that is like not even on your plate and then you have to go over to their desk and talk to them about it. And so if you budget for like half the work of a full day, so yeah. four, hours, four hours a day on average, then you're probably still going to have to do a little bit of replanning towards the end of a project, mm -hmm. but you're not putting yourself in the toxic bucket, which is yeah. like really, really the most common fail for any developer, but especially yeah. indies is taking on way too yeah, much yeah. and yep. un underestimating the way that other people's needs will impact your needs. Like you're an indie and you're like, well, we'll just make our game. And you don't think about all the publishing assets you mm -hmm. need to get to your publisher or the ways in which the store yeah. is going to require you to do updates and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You kind of have this bubble around you and you're like, it's just me and I'll just do the right, work. Right, right. And it turns out actually you exist in a world of people and yeah. all those people impact your ability to get shit yeah. done. And you're thinking about it in real proactive ways of budgeting for humanness, right? Yes. It's like yeah. making yeah. sure that you can. Yeah, it's a lot of like um, theoretical planning. It's yeah. like in theory, yeah. it should take me this long. In theory, it should be this. In theory, it takes this many people. Mm. And like one of my favorite quotes, even though I don't always go along with it, is like in theory and practice, there's no difference between theory and practice, but mm. in practice there is. Yes. And like, there's always there's always like things that are happening beyond your control and that you don't mm -hmm. understand. And this is a lot of the shift that like I made in the mega booth over the last like year or two is that like yeah. is building in for like, well, in theory, we could just all do this and we could work for this amount of money. And then like, you know, this, this, this and this. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, now I got sick. And now the whole Whoops. thing is fucking blown yeah. up and yeah. we're four months off schedule because right, like right. I got a cold, which is like, right. yeah, it's zero room for failure or zero room for like anything to come in there. And like nobody can exist at zero failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that applies to game design, too. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, you just yeah. got to keep cutting scope because yes. we always over scope. You always should come teach my class. I'm always telling them. The whole thing is just a recording of like cut, 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 And my classes, when we start, I, I ask the students, how are you doing? And then we all raise our hands and we say, we're doing the best that we can. And that's all anyone can ever do. I rep for that hard. You know? yeah. It's yeah. all that's anyone real. can ever mm -hmm. do. And that like, this is the life lesson that I try to teach is that, yeah, you know, you made a great game. It's awesome. Suddenly you have these opportunities to publish other games and to do all this stuff. Whoa, now you have five times the workload. Congratulations. <laughs> like, how are you doing? Well, Take I'm doing the best that I can. Yep. And sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and your heart is racing and you're sweating and you're like, we're never going to be able to do it. We'll run out of money before it's too late. Oh my God, what? And then you realize that everybody has these moments. It's like you could be running a games business. You could be running a hot dog stand. You could be running a podcast. You could be running E3. And suddenly, like, oh, my God, half the people that we thought were going to show up aren't going to be exhibiting this year. So got to make it work, right? Yep. Everybody has their ups and downs, no matter where they are in the chain. So it's very important to remember that. And, like, if you can you can get that into your culture early. Like, do you yeah. feel like you got that at Kitbox now? Like, do you have yeah. this? Do you have a sense of self-compassion and self-care? at the, Yeah. At the I mean, so our, our captain, Tanya, she's <laughs> been a huge, like, proponent of, like, no crunch. Like, Yay. definitely being all about, like, the self-care and making sure everything is fine um, and putting like you know the humans first instead of the projects yeah. because in the end we are just making games you like take care of yourself <laughs> but I think that's a problem like the creative industry especially games has yeah. is that because we love games and, you know it's our passion and yeah. we've always wanted to make games that we're willing to sink like just hours and hours and never stop and we're like it's not work because it's fun and then until you, it is work yeah. until yeah. it is yeah. work yeah. and then you burn yeah. out and then yeah. you quit games forever because you're so like jaded right. by the whole process yeah. so yeah. it's really important to take time for yourself and to remember your human that needs yeah. a break. It yeah. really does happen too. I just had lunch with someone that I worked with a long time ago and they were saying, you know, like I have to really still do the work of remembering that like I'm not the product and mm. you know, that 
like when you recover from a long crunch, I mean, like I've had so many conversations with people about this. It's just, it takes a long time. I don't think people realize how, how much damage you do with every day you're burning it at both ends. Like when your battery gets low, it's like, think about it like your computer battery. When your computer battery gets low and you run it down to the bottom over and over and over again, you reduce the battery's capacity to ever recharge. Like if you keep it at 30%, it eventually kind of gets lock in at around 30 to 45% and it never goes above that, which is why they say run the battery down, charge it all the way up, run the battery down, charge it all the way up. But we don't do that with ourselves. And then suddenly we're like, it's holidays, right? We got to take a break from work. We go home for vacation and immediately get a cold. Yeah. yeah. Immediately get the flu. We're sick the whole vacation. We go back to work. Our battery is even lower than when we left. And like, that's your body telling you that you didn't take enough time yeah. off. And yeah. like, I, I have seen this with my students. I see it with people that are above me and publishers and all over the place. It's a constant mm. struggle. You need to remember that you got to. Mm charge the battery all the way up before you start again. Yeah, I think the problem is is that it creeps up on you too. Like you don't expect it and then suddenly you're like, why am I so tired and unmotivated all the time? Yeah, and then you're like on the floor crying. You're like, oh, I think I'm burnt out. But yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's one of those things where you don't realize it and then it happens and you need need to take that break. Yeah, I had this day like a few weeks ago where I was just, I was just super fucking mad. Like I was just really angry and like, I don't know what, I just took a nap and I woke up and I felt way better. I was like, I was so tired I was mad. Like, that's, yeah. like, that's yeah. how tired I was. And I barely even noticed it, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh, I instantly feel a lot better than like, I did, like, like you two said, hours your body ago. knows. Your yeah. body is always talking to you yeah. in that it way. Is. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially for tech and game stuff, you know, a lot of it is very heady. It's very intellectual. You're in yeah. a computer. You know, it's very digital. And so, like, there is, like, a, this very big and strong disconnect between, like, what your body is telling you and what you're kind of, like, visually taking in and what's Absolutely. digitally coming in. And then also, too, you know, I think there's a component around kind of, like, the, the community and the consumer education around like yeah these issues and how does burnout work and how are games actually made you know like this idea where it's just like we need forty thousand dollars and the game's gonna be ready tomorrow and it's like that's not true at all like that game did not take 24 hours and forty thousand dollars to make like that game probably took years and it took all these things and all this experience and all these people's time you know and i think that that's that's changing in some way but that's still there and there's also a little bit too i think from like a kind of outside perspective where it's like yeah this is fun you're making games it's cool like Mm -hmm. shut up (laughs) (laughs) and make the game and like in a lot of ways you know like this is a really amazing industry and there's a lot of like creative output and opportunity and you get to do all of these really cool things but you know it's the same way in anything like I would imagine like with music or like movies or anything like yeah it's great but there's still a lot of difficulty there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes and it's not an easy thing to get to the point where you're like you are the person on a stage at E3 like you know announcing or launching a game like very very few people get to do stuff like that very few people are Madonna you know like she only has one name that's why (laughs) it is is really important to remember right that not like not every podcast that gets made gets viewed Not every game that gets made gets sold. And, you know, not every project that you start gets finished. And it's like just the numbers game. You know, people ask me that all the time. They say, like, so after you made Journey, like, what were you afraid of? And I was like, I was afraid that I would take myself too seriously and expect anything I ever made ever again to be nearly as successful. Because it was a perfect storm of having publisher support, being an indie title that resonated with people emotionally, on a platform that was highly available for a cheap price because we were super indie. And we had, you know, we didn't have that much money to charge, you know, like, and it came out right after Flow and Flower and like, all these things worked really well for us and the last thing you want to do is believe that you can do it again like I have a friend that says this the worst thing you can say to somebody is 
maybe working on your second game. Yeah. You know, Ooh. after a big success. Yeah. The second game is always so hard, yeah, right? Someone hard. that really yeah. blows up suddenly they think like I have to do I have to beat this. And you're you you just can't. Like yeah. Yeah. the numbers are are there to remind you that you are just a statistic and you are usually an outlier if anybody yeah. pays yeah. attention to you in anything. Yeah. 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 Well that's an important point you brought up before. It's like, you know, we were talking about like, you know, preparing for when we're stressed, preparing for the downtime. The, the hard times. Yeah. But it's like it's just as important to prepare for the good times, right? Yeah. Like, all right, I'm just expecting my game to fail or I'm expecting it not to sell well. And all right, mentally prepare myself. Oh, it did really well. Oh, shit. All right, what do I, I didn't what prepare did for this. What did you call it? Like a success failure? It's a success disaster. <laughs> a success disaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. People um, that have the success disaster where they, they do something because they're really passionate about it and they're not prepared for it to be successful. And then it is. And then they have no plans in place for how to deal with what comes after like I have I have a friend I have a couple friends actually that have become millionaires from making games and then spent a year or two just curled up in a ball yeah like I don't know what to do with myself now I'm like uh, my whole identity was the struggle my whole identity Mm, was hours of work my whole identity was nobody likes me and now all of a sudden people want to hang out with me and I got all this money and I shit like is this real like you feel like you're in a dream and then Mm -hmm. you feel exceptionally alone right and so that's the other thing is that this kind of community and what I love about it is that we can all support each other. Like Kelly and I've known each other for what, like six years now. And like, we all can support one another in various ways. Like, I mean, how many, how many times have we chatted late at night? My God. How many times? How many (laughs) times? I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is like just being able to say like, I see you. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that the humanness of all this, this is all dust in the wind, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing the work and like, I see you out there shining and like, congratulations. Or I saw that tweet. Are you doing okay? Like Kyle always checks in on me when I subtweet. Always. Uh, Oh yeah. He's a super subtweet friend. I mean, it's love, right? It's true. That's that's the thing is like, this is all again, like dust in the wind. We never know what the next thing is going to be. Right. We all trying to figure it all at the same time. And we're all living through it together in some form or fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looks like our time is almost up. It was oh, actually so is great up. to be here with you. It has already flown by. It's yeah. unreasonable how quick this was. And thank you all so much. Thank you so much for we'd coming. Be a great apocalypse yeah, team. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes. We'd be, we would be fine. Yeah. We'd, we'd yes. hole up in the cheesecake factory. Yeah. Tuna tartar and cheese for Meet everyone. Meet you at the cheesecake factory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes before we go, I want you all to pitch your stuff, Victoria. Okay. You okay. go on ahead first. Cool. Uh, I'm Victoria at the VTran on Twitter, but you can find all our stuff on Kitfox at Kitfox Games. Everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. But yeah, we're making Boyfriend Dungeon, which is a dating simulator dungeon crawler mashup where you date your weapons and they turn into beautiful people. Uh, we also just announced Lucifer Within Us, which is a basically you play as a digital exorcist and you kind of purge demons and solve mysteries. That's what's oh. cool. It's super cool. Thank you. Thank you. Robin, what you got? I say I'm Robin Henneke, the CEO and designer at Phenomena and also the teacher at UC Santa Cruz in art, games, and playable media. And my students are showing games at Indicate, so come see them here at E3. We'll be releasing Luna for the PlayStation and PSVR on June 18th. Wow. And with Tom, will be coming out this fall, oh, I snap. hope. Oh, snap. So oh, snap, snap, snap. Uh, that's also going to be coming out on the PlayStation and other platforms to be announced. Uh, and you can find us online at phenomena.com. F U N O M E N A. Phenomena. <laughs> Kelly, what you got for me? I'm Kelly Wallach. I'm Kelly Wallach on most social media stuff, but very quiet there. So you should also follow Indie Mega Booth. Um, we're at Indie Mega Booth on all of the social media stuff. Um, we have PAX West coming up as our next uh, big showcase. So keep an eye out for announcements around that. 
Uh, we didn't really talk about it too much, but I'm also the chairperson for the IGF, and I've been yes. working on a fund, which is not totally announced yet, oh. but some interesting, exciting stuff that's going on around that. Um, yeah, and so just follow us, and uh, if you have any questions about the Indie Mega Booth, you can reach us at contact at IndieMegaBooth.com. Cool. Awesome. Dylan, take us out. All right, we're headed out. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get our next group of guests. Yes. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.